Good evening. In the news tonight, the Trump administration says it is prepared to put more money on the table as talks with Congress on a new coronavirus stimulus package drag on. Protesters in Queens tell Governor Cuomo, Arios, not billionaires. Prime Minister of Lebanon has resigned amid furious protests following a deadly explosion last week that destroyed a large swath of Beirut. In New York, I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of The Independent, and this is the WBAI Evening News for Monday, August 10th, 2020. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said Monday that the Trump administration is ready to resume negotiation with congressional leaders on a new coronavirus stimulus package and is prepared to put more on a new coronavirus stimulus package and is, quote, prepared to put more money on the table. At the center of negotiations is whether the federal government will resume an expired $600 per week supplemental unemployment benefit that has been a lifeline for tens of millions of unemployed Americans or cut it back to as little as $200 per week as favored by congressional Republicans. Democrats are also seeking more aid for cash-strapped state and city governments, small businesses, and financial relief for the Postal Service. Mnuchin's gesture followed a chaotic weekend when President Trump signed a series of executive orders that pretended to resolve the impasse between Republicans and Democrats, but were narrowly tailored and likely unconstitutional as funding of all government programs must be approved by Congress. While politicians dithered in Washington, D.C., the pandemic rages on. The total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in the U.S. surpassed 5 million this weekend, while the total number of coronavirus deaths has now passed 163,000. With no end in sight for the pandemic, mail-in voting will be crucial to this November's elections. The concerns are growing about the fate of the U.S. Postal Service after Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, a major Trump donor, fired or reassigned almost two dozen top Postal Service executives on Friday. This followed DeJoy's decision to stop paying overtime to ensure speedy delivery of the mail. It's become clear that that's what the program is. To, uh, to damage the Postal Service. And, and the guy is very skillful, but you have to watch what he does, not what he says, because he can talk a good game. But in reality, what he's done uh, is uh, make sure that the mail is being delayed. That was Chuck Slotkin of the American Postal Workers Union. We'll be talking with him more later in the show about the grave dangers facing the Postal Service. In Queens, hundreds marched on Sunday in a protest called Barrios Not Billionaires. They called on Governor Andrew Cuomo to cancel the rent for cash-strapped tenants and jack up taxes on the super-wealthy, whose net wealth has soared during the pandemic. Among those speaking out was this 11-year-old girl. For many people, like my neighbors and friends, don't have money for food and to pay the rent. I am angry at you, Governor Cuomo, because you don't want to tax the super-rich people. Meanwhile, we are all fighting to survive. People that don't have enough money find a way to pay their taxes, but the rich don't. There are many families like my family who don't know how to get by because you don't want to help us. Governor Cuomo, you have the power to help us, but you refuse to by not taxing the super rich. On Saturday, thousands of cyclists joined in the 10th weekly justice bike ride that made its way around the city. The black-led weekly bike ride was started in early June by cyclists who had been participating in Black Lives Matter protests. While mass cycling enthusiasts rolled around New York on Saturday, 
tens of thousands of mostly masked free motorcycle enthusiasts gathered in Sturgis, South Dakota this weekend for the 80th annual Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. The week-long event is expected to attract 250,000 participants who, according to this local businessman, welcome the chance to get away from coronavirus rules. You know, they come out here and I can't, I walk outside and people will stop me all the time saying, oh God, thank you so much for giving us a place to go. It is so great to get away from this town or that town that they, they live in because of the restrictions on their freedoms that's been imposed by, you know, some local government. And uh, so they come here and we don't have that. I mean, they come here, we've celebrated freedom here forever. And that's really what the, this place is all about. Whether the rally goers in Sturgis can escape the coronavirus itself remains to be seen. And finally, in international news, Lebanon's Prime Minister Hassan Diab resigned today following a weekend of furious protests against the country's government. Lebanon's government is widely blamed for years of negligence that led to an explosion last week at the port of Beirut of a hangar containing 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate, a volatile chemical that wiped out a large swath of the city and left hundreds dead and more than 5,000 injured. You're calling for a revolution. We already have one. I mean, whether we're calling for one, we're calling for change. And as long as there's no change, there's going to be a revolution. We will be back with more after this short break. That was Please, Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes. You're listening to the WBAI Evening News, presented by The Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website, now in its 20th year of publishing. I'm John Tarleton, the Indy's editor-in-chief. You can find our latest coverage at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-N-T dot O-R-G. Also, our August print edition hit the streets last week. You can find it in our red and white news boxes on a street corner near you. In our first segment, we look at what's happening to the U.S. Postal Service. Founded in 1775 by Benjamin Franklin, it's older than the country it serves. It, is con it consistently polls as the most popular government agency as it fulfills its universal service mandate to deliver the mail six days a week to 159 million postal addresses from the densely crowded apartment blocks of New York City to the farthest wilds of Alaska or Hawaii. However, the recent actions of new Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, a Trump mega-donor, are causing the alarm bells to ring. DeJoy recently ordered the end of all overtime pay within the Postal Service, which is causing delays in mail delivery. On Friday, he fired or reassigned almost two dozen Postal Service executives, effectively sidelining decades of institutional knowledge. Trump has long been hostile to the Postal Service and more recently has in insisted with no evidence that mail-in voting in November will be fraudulent. In DeJoy, he may have found the wrecking ball he needs to boost his faltering re-election chances. Joining us this evening to talk about all this and more is Chuck Zlotkin, political and legislative director for the New York City metro area local of the American Postal Workers Union, the largest postal worker union local in the country. Chuck worked 35 years as a postal clerk before 
becoming a full-time staffer at the union. Chuck, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, John, for having me. You bet. So first of all, uh, why are these uh, recent actions by the Postmaster General, uh, you call him uh, Louis DeLay instead of Louis DeJoy, but why do you, why do you see them as uh, so damaging? Well, it's damaging because the, the Postal Service is in a, in a critical position uh, to begin with because of uh, the impact uh, of the pandemic on, on income. The Postal Service uh, does not receive uh, a government funding taxpayer money. It's uh, funded from the sale of stamps and services. And with the uh, pandemic, businesses been down, so there's been a, a, a a financial uh, crisis that the Postal Service is facing to begin with. But when DeJoy came in and Postmaster on uh, June 15th, he instituted policies that just, you know, uh, he claims that he's trying to uh, help and preserve the Postal Service. But what he's doing, as you said in the introduction, by cutting overtime, understand that the Postal Service is, is labor-intensive to begin with, and years ago, the Postal Service decided rather than hiring uh, more uh, employees, it would rely on overtime uh, to deal with whatever crisis situation. So he put together a uh, no overtime and a hiring freeze. So there are not enough people to do the work, and that brings about delays. Added to that, he's also instructed uh, uh, workers to change their whole philosophy, which was getting the mail out, making sure it got to people as quickly as possible by uh, saying that, what, that, you, that the trucks have to go out on time, do not hold them back to get the mail out. If it, the mail could be delayed you know, a day or two, leave it on, on the deck, leave it in the postal station, and, and, and go forward uh, without the mail, which, is, which is just has nothing to do with what the uh, the purpose, the mission of the post office is to provide prompt, reliable, and efficient uh, service. He's eliminating the prompt and reliable part and uh, is just dealing with what he calls efficiency, which means you know moving ahead with the schedule but just not moving the mail. And this is very damaging. Add to that coming up to uh, the, as you mentioned, the the uh, election in, in November, where more people will be relying on mail-in voting than ever before, and he's effectively trying to slow down the mail. And we've seen it already, that this has already gone into effect, and people already seeing delays in the mail. Uh, our, our members are out there on the work floor are seeing it happen, and it really is uh, uh, a, a plan to, to destroy uh, the American people's uh, confidence and reliability on the postal service, which is very damaging. Right. And um, the, there, there is a lot of concerns about what will happen in the election, and we'll hit on that in a minute. But um, there, there's also been a, a, a longstanding desire among conservatives uh, to uh, privatize the, the postal service. Uh, can you talk about how uh, what is happening now uh, plays into that? Well, yeah, I mean, when you damage the, the, the service and impact upon business negatively, it's to create, create uh, uh, an attitude where people might be accepting it because the Postal Service is 
is extremely uh, a popular agency, has uh, shown the American people how important it is during this pandemic. You know, postal workers going out there every day, uh, making sure that people are getting what, 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 what they need. And uh, it has been very difficult to move about uh, this uh, privatization where uh, a combination of uh, people, uh, businesses wanting to get their hands on the, the, the money that the Postal Service uh, uh, takes in uh, for profit. Well, the, right now the Postal Service is owned by the American people, and what the Postal Service does is to serve the people's interests by uh, giving them the prompt, reliable, and efficient service. But privatizers want to get in there and uh, uh, take uh, that uh, profit as opposed to service. And that uh, is what's been moving forward here with the uh, Trump administration, because uh, uh, last year he had a, 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 a task force headed up by Mnuchin that basically called for the privatization of the Postal Service and the Office of Management and Budget went ahead and said, well, we have to make it more appealing for uh, uh, potential buyers by cutting expenses, which meant, you know, limiting uh, uh, the workforce and also service. So it's, there's a plan afoot to privatize, to sell it off to private agencies, uh, to private businesses, and to take it away from the American people. And one of the steps in doing this is to destroy that uh, uh, feeling that the American people have where they can trust the Postal Service, because once people find out that they're not getting their mail on time, and we're talking about mail, we're talking about, you know, uh, 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 medication, prescriptions, the Postal Service uh, delivers 1.2 billion uh, medical prescriptions every year. We're talking about prescriptions that people need, you know, to sit, to maintain their lives, to um, uh, 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 deal with uh, uh uh, fighting against, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, medications that they need to keep themselves uh, sane and to keep themselves away from pain, and that's serious stuff. Plus, people have been receiving, um, you know, food and and, and needed uh, materials through the mail during this pandemic, getting their checks. I mean, the postal services would shown their importance to people, while, uh, you know, uh, 2,500 uh, postal workers have been positive with the disease, 40,000 uh, have been uh, having to uh, uh, get into uh, quarantine. Uh, quarantine, thank you, and, uh, and uh, 75 have died. So the, the American people have just once again, seeing how important the Postal Service is during this pandemic. And now you have a postmaster in there who's trying to destroy that by slowing down the mail. And uh, he's a logistics man. He knows what's going on. He's the perfect man to do this while he says he's going to uh, do what's necessary to help the post office in there to actually uh, destroy it. And uh, it's really a, 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 a sad day for what, what, what he's trying to bring forth. And uh, we have to fight that. Right, and this is someone uh, in Louis DeJoy uh, who has, uh, he and his wife have millions of dollars in investments uh, in uh, potential rivals to the Postal Service. And, and also, uh, he was one of the main fundraisers 
for the the Republican National Convention that was scheduled to be held in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, before the pandemic uh, uh, canceled that. Uh, so yes. I mean, we're talking about a real insider here. Yes, he he and his wife have uh, donated uh, millions of dollars to the Republican Party and to uh, uh, Trump's campaign. His uh, wife is uh, is uh, Trump's uh, designee to be the uh, ambassador to Canada, and uh, his uh, the company that uh, uh, the Joy was involved with uh, in the, in the past, a logistics company, did business with the Postal Service. They have between 30 and 75 million dollars in stock in this company, and uh, in, nine, in tw- 2017 it did 57 million dollars in business with the post office. So now you have the postmaster general of the United States who's going to be making decisions, as you're making decisions uh, for what's best for the American people, or he's doing best what's best for his investments, and also uh, what's best for his. Uh, his, uh, his crony, uh, uh, President Trump, coming up to the election. So it really is a, it's a disgrace that this person was put in this position, and by what he's uh, already demonstrated what he's doing since he's been in since June 15th, really this person should resign as Postmaster General of the United States, and if he doesn't resign, he should be fired, because he's in there to destroy the people's post office, and this cannot be tolerated. Right. And last question real quick here. Uh, With the elections coming up, uh, can the post office handle the the upsurge in demand uh, that would accompany uh, mail-in balloting uh, during a pandemic? Is it solid enough to do this? Yes, the Postal Service can can handle it as it has through through generations of dealing with uh, uh, mail-in voting. Uh, There'll be a larger... uh, uh, number this year, but again, just you know, don't 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 starve it from the money that it needs. That's before you know uh, Congress to make it uh, strong to deal with it has to deal with it. But the Postal Service is is the answer. It's not the problem. Even though it just came out that uh, the Joy said that uh, that he's going to establish that uh, the, the, the states uh, to do the mailing won't be able to use bulk mail. Will have to pay of first-class postage. Again, we don't even know if he has the authority to make that decision, but that right. decision, again, is something that's there to hurt uh, uh, mail-in balloting. This is not someone who's for the post office. This is someone who is for Trump's agenda. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. Chuck Slotkin from the American Postal Workers Union, thank you for joining us on WBAI Evening News tonight. Thank you. Alrighty, and we'll be back uh, after a short break, and we'll be talking about canceling the rent with a tenant leader from Brooklyn. There's already so much pain, so much pain, so much pain. There's already so much pain, and there ain't nothing else we can do. Hey, she Tanks coming through right here, through right here, through right here. We got tanks coming through right here, and there ain't nothing else we can do. All together, we got tanks coming through right here, through right here, through right here.
That was Fight by Wyatt Waddell. You're listening to the WBAI Evening News presented by The Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website. Now in its 20th year of publishing, I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor-in-Chief. Before we move on to our second segment, I want to encourage everyone who can do so to give generously to WBAI and help keep shows like this on the air. You can give by calling 516-620-3602 or by going straight to WBAI.org. Again, the phone number, 516-620-3602. I'll share another reminder at the end of the show. So tens of millions of Americans find themselves at the risk of eviction due to lost wages caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Here in New York City, it's estimated that roughly 25% of tenants are not paying some or all of their monthly rent. Governor Andrew Cuomo and the state legislature have refused to cancel the rent, but the governor has extended the rent moratorium for another month to September 4th. Last week, a coalition of autonomous Brooklyn tenant groups held protests at the entrance to the Brooklyn Housing Court to underscore their demands for rent cancellation. This morning, many of the same groups held a celebratory protest at the same site. Joining us this evening is Joel Feingold of the Crown Heights Tenant Union. Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. You bet. So first of all, can you tell us uh, some more about the, the protest uh, that occurred uh, last week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday uh, outside the Brooklyn Housing Court. And also, how are you all feeling about winning another extension of the rent moratorium? Well, um, we feel great that uh, tenant power and solidarity has managed to defeat the richest and most powerful people in New York City and state who were demanding uh, the right to evict um, what they consider their right to be uh, to evict. Um, but um, the problem is that these monthly extensions of the moratorium don't solve the problem. Um, we are in crisis mode once a month. We have been uh, since June, uh, and it's got to stop. We demand a permanent eviction moratorium, and we demand the cancellation of rent, which is the only realistic way to end this crisis. Um, uh, a little bit about the protests last week. Um, a bunch of autonomous tenant unions throughout Brooklyn, the Crown Heights Tenant Union, the Full-Time Tenant Union, Sunset Park Tenant Union, Bushwick Bedside Tenant Coalition, FAM, um, which is another group, just a lot of shout-outs here. Um, but we came together because um, we saw that the moratorium was about to expire and we didn't want to see our neighbors thrown out on the streets. So we did some pretty intense, pretty militant actions last week. We started in front of an eviction court, um, demanding the extension of the moratorium and demanding the cancellation of rent. But we stormed uh, real estate landlord lawyer offices, several of them. We stormed Borough Hall, um, and we were able to have some success, some some victories. But but again, it can't come down to this monthly cri- crisis, this monthly scramble to win the extension. We have to have a real permanent solution, which is the cancellation of rent and a permanent eviction moratorium and uh, immediate housing of the homeless. And uh, is there legislation on the table in Albany uh, right now that embraces uh, some or all of these demands? There is. We fought like hell to get it uh, uh, into the state house, but um, yes, there are three bills. One is the cancel rent bill, which was introduced in the assembly by Assemblywoman Niu, uh, and in the Senate by Assemblywoman Salazar. Uh, and then in, uh, you know, the permanent eviction moratorium bill, um, which would, 
prevent any eviction filings or any evictions of any kind for a year after the crisis ends, so uh, September, and would come into effect immediately. Um, that was introduced by Senator Zelnor Myrie um, and is being sponsored by Assemblywoman Reyes in the House, I believe, um, and in the Assembly. And then the, there's a House of Homeless voucher bill that's being pushed by uh, Senator Brian Kavanaugh. All these politicians, they wouldn't act if we hadn't fought um, and if we hadn't been fighting for a long time. Right. And how can uh, tenants uh, who want to get involved uh, do so? Definitely. Um, please, please reach out. If you're in Brooklyn, um, you can reach the Crown Heights Tenant Union. Just email us, crownheightstenantunion at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Um, and, you know, there are so many neighborhood organizations, so many autonomous tenant unions that have come together or even been formed in this crisis, forged in this crisis. So look for one in your neighborhood as well. And we can all, we'd be happy to point you in the direction of a, of a tenant union in, in your hood. Okay. And, and we, we have time for one more question. The, the housing court itself, uh, is it open yet? Is it, is it processing uh, evictions or is it, is that still on hold? Well, because of the piecemeal nature of what's been happening so far, um, it's kind of a mixed state of affairs. So no new eviction filings uh, are allowed to become eviction cases. That's what we won the extension of last week. Um, however, pre-pandemic cases um, where both sides have an attorney uh, are moving forward but cannot result in eviction uh, because of the eviction moratorium. So it's a little bit of a mixed state of affairs, and, and that state of affairs came about because Chief Judge Canataro, uh, the chief administrative judge of the city, right, we have, we have chose to retaliate. Ten more seconds. Chose to retaliate. So, you know, we refuse to be moved, and, you know, solidarity, tenant power, we will win. Cancel rent. All right. We'll have to leave it there for now. Joel Feingold, thanks for joining us this evening on the WBAI Evening News presented by The Independent. My pleasure. You bet. All right. Once again, I want to encourage everyone who can do so to give generously to WBAI and help keep shows like on this, like this on the air. Give a call to 516-620-3602 or go to give2wbai.org. Thanks for joining us this evening. Special thanks to Amma Gagarian and Renee Feltz and Leah Duran for their help with this evening's show. You can follow the latest news on the, at the Independent at independent.org. Once again, that phone number for giving, 516-620-3602. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back same time next week. Yeah, we